What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Cookie List. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly, and this is the podcast where we help you prepare for a cookie list world by sitting down and speaking with marketing leaders about how they're navigating the shift to a world without cookies. Today on the podcast, we are joined by Dan Huey. Dan is the CEO of FanPower, a company that helps sports teams and leagues to transform content into interactive experiences that acquire fan data at scale. In our conversation, we discuss why you need to collect first-party data, how data can turn casuals into diehard fans, the surprising sports league that is leading the way when it comes to audience data, and so much more. As always, today's podcast is powered by Surf, and Surf is the all-in-one loyalty and reward platform for businesses. With Surf, not only can you spin up your very own loyalty app and extension in no time, with your new app and extension, you can collect ethically sourced user opt-in mobile usage and browsing data. You can grow your audience with a built-in affiliate program and giveaways. You can reward your users for taking specific actions like completing surveys with a fully subsidized rewards catalog. And with all of the data you're collecting from all of your new users, you can analyze it using an NLP data dashboard powered by AI. Meaning, the same way you ask chat GPT questions, you can now ask AI questions about your specific audience or even specific segments of your audience. You get the answers in a matter of seconds and easy to read visualizations. If you're interested in any or all of the services that Surf has to offer, you can learn more at the link down below. And now without further ado, I'm very excited to continue my conversation with Dan Healy. All right, Dan, I was wondering for my first question today, if you could just give me a little bit of the, the backstory on fan power. How'd you get here? What's the story behind starting it and up to where you are today? Sure. Uh, yeah. So I, I've always been in the startup, startup ecosystem. Uh, I started my first company when I was in school. Uh, at Ohio State, and then you know joined an early stage in New York, and uh, and then I built a uh, a technology consulting company for for about ten years in Brooklyn with some really good friends, and um, my mentality has always been around uh, identifying new opportunities, areas that haven't really been explored or touched, and that I really understand or believe technology can have a, a big impact in, right? So with the last company, we were focused on building mobile apps back in 2010. Our differentiator was let's build apps for companies that drive revenue as opposed to just marketing apps, right? And that allowed us to tap into the market. Um, when when we sold that and I and I started to explore this new opportunity, uh, it was right around the time that PASPA was repealed. And so PASPA gave the states the rights to offer uh, legal mobile sports betting. And um, that clearly was going to change sports for the American fan. Um, I needed to look at it a little bit differently, not having come from the gaming space and not having come from sports uh, and instead coming from consumer technology. My focus was how are the fans going to interact in a different way with the leagues, the teams and the sports media companies that are going to be harnessing the power of this new offering? And how can you build technology that really does justice to both sides? Does the the consumer a service so that they will interact and, and you can retain them? And does the leagues, the teams, the media companies a service so that they can get the information that matters to them? Um, and so that's really where we started. Uh, no question that it's been a, a journey and and we've made, you know, what I like to call evolutions um, through, throughout the experience. But that was really the foundation of, of why we started it. I just want to make sure I understand what Fanpower does and the audience understand what Fanpower does as well before we kind of dig into everything. So on the website, it's activate your content, engage your fans, acquire fan data. So how do you guys do that too? Like, what's the process look like for both sides? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for leagues, sports leagues, sports teams, sports media companies, we give them the ability to make all of their content interactive. And that shows up in different forms. Um, some of the, the primary or kind of core functionality is around polling. 
So we've got a technology that reads an article and spins up a, a hyper-relevant question about that article. It doesn't work for every industry. It works incredibly well for sport because sport is heavily opinion-based, right? If you're reading an article about uh, the the New York Giants and you've got a, a, a take on on Saquon or you know how their season's going to end up, um, we will spin up a question and 46 to 54% of the people that see that question will interact with it. Um, from there, we have a mechanism where we collect first-party data. That first-party data is either an email address or a phone number. And um, the, the user typically puts it in, either because they're incentivized uh, via loyalty or some sort of sweepstakes, uh, or because they want to see the results of the poll and how their opinion matches up with, with the rest of the fandom. So they give us that first-party data. We communicate with them either via phone number or email address. And then that data is passed into the, the CDP of our, of our customers um, who are the, the enterprise side, and they, they can then manage and, and communicate with those folks in a very direct way. Um, that was, you know, that's kind of been our, our bread and butter product for a while. It's, it's evolved pretty drastically to the point now where um, because of the access we have to sports data feeds, we're actually creating that automated content. So the article that they're reading is powered by our platform. Plus, the poll is powered by our platform, and it becomes this very seamless way uh, for companies to pump out a lot of hyper-relevant, stats-based, data-based uh, content that is very, very personal to that fan. And how is it, when you say personal to that fan, is that just because they're a fan of that sports team, so it's personal to them, or are these articles able to be hyper-targeted? You know, it's both. So um, think about it from, from two sides. Think about it from a let's just say USA Today, Giants Wire, right? So if you're a Giants fan, you're reading Giants Wire. Um, and so the articles and the questions that you're going to be reading are very, very relevant to you because you are that audience. The other side of it is um, the way that we track the, the data in a compliant way is um, for the time, cooking the, the user and understanding what they read and then asking them a question based on what they interact with. Now, where we're going, and I think, you know, really what a lot of this conversation is about is we don't actually need that cookie, right? Because when we have enough data on that individual, um, when they've given us that first party data and they've interacted with a number of questions, we actually understand their sentiment. And when we understand their sentiment, then we understand what type of fan they are. And that's that's a differentiator and going to be a differentiator down the line for, for a lot of these organizations. Do you think a lot of the organizations are prioritizing the fact that cookies are going away right now? Because you hear about, I don't have the stat off the top of my head, but over 50% of marketers say they aren't prepared for a world without cookies. So you guys position yourself in a great way where the sports teams understand the importance of it, or are you having to do some education on your side as well as to why this is so significant? Yeah, it, it very much depends. Um, you know, one of our customers is NASCAR, and NASCAR is one of the more forward-thinking organizations in sports. They've got a ton of people on the data side. They work very closely with Snowflake. They understand their fans in an intimate, relevant, and actionable way. Um, and so groups like that, I believe, will be very prepared um, for what's to come. I think there are other organizations uh, that are very much focused on revenue today, which you can't blame them. It's a, you know, it's a bit of a of a chaotic world right now, and revenue very much matters more, more today than it did yesterday, probably. And um, right now they're they're not necessarily focused on it because the majority of the revenue generating streams are still based on on cookie based technology. How what's your pitch to those companies who are kind of short term folks right now, folks on revenue? Yeah, uh, the pitch is you've got you know every day that, that goes by that you're not collecting that first party and zero party data 
um, you're missing an opportunity. And what's so intriguing and interesting about the industry, sports specifically, is that it goes in waves, right? When there's a race, when there's a playoff run, when there's a draft, when a team is 9-0, and when there's a rookie making a debut, like these are waves. These are moments in time, right? They used to be on the Sports Center top 10. They used to be the, the focus, the headline across national media. You know, national media has changed. Media is now very personal, very hyper-relevant. A lot of it's coming through social and then, you know, leading to some some destination or they're going direct to the team league or site pages or channels. Uh, and so so my take has always been and, you know, still will be, you've got to lean into those moments because if you've got, you know, 30% more, 40% more eyeballs on that moment that is actually a more of an opinion-driven moment than most things, will they continue the playoff run? Will this rookie be relevant? Will this guy make the all-star team? Um, if you miss out on those eyeballs, getting them back again is going to be very, very, very challenging. So how do you, when you have those eyeballs, convert those people from casual fans to loyal fans? And I ask because I've worked in sports, and so I've been on both sides. I worked for a hockey team that had an incredible playoff run, and I worked for a football team that won three games in this season. And so it's like two dramatically different fan experiences as someone working for the organization. So in your opinion, how do you take people who are there during those exciting moments, that extra 30, 40% and convert them to people who are there in the, the slower moments? Yeah, you have to stay, you have to stay relevant, right? A lot of that comes back to your communication strategy. And what's nice is the communication strategy um, really should be based on the interests of that individual, right? You're going to understand, I don't know what team you worked for, but um, let's just say you're a Jets fan, right? And the Jets have had plenty of seasons where it's tough to tough to watch them, especially halfway through. So how do you retain those individuals? Well, as soon as you side Aaron Rodgers, you need to be back in their inbox, be it mobile or or email. And you need to let them know that there's an opportunity to get back on board with this team that you've loved for a very, very long time. Now let's take a, a different example. Why don't we call uh, the LeBron fan, right? Who may not have an NBA team that they follow. They may be, you know, associated one associated with one via geography, but in the at the end of the day, they're a LeBron fan. Um, you need to know as the NBA that this individual is a LeBron fan because you're going to capitalize on the Miami jersey. You're going to capitalize on the Cleveland jersey. You're going to capitalize on the Lakers jersey. You're going to capitalize on, you know, the the record breaking moments. You're going to monetize all of those things, and it's impossible to, you know, lean into to one team. You have to lean into the individual athlete and individual player um, in that situation, and so you have to have an understanding of uh, of who these people care about and what they care about. And with the example back to you're talking about when someone like an Aaron Rodgers signs, you're back in their inbox. That just puts an overemphasis on having these systems in place now to capture data when there is a peak moment, so you're able to come back to them when the next peak happens. Yeah. Let's talk about the, you know, the, the kid from, you know, New Jersey who followed the Jets his entire life, went out to school in Pennsylvania and let's say he landed in San Francisco, right? Jets haven't had the greatest five years since he left New Jersey. Um, he's been following them, but he hasn't been like in it. Now what you, you, you've stayed in touch with that individual. You've let them know about everything that's happening, but now Aaron Rodgers is, is on the jets and now you're going to get this guy back into that jets fandom. So you've got to get back in that inbox in, you know, it's, it's the wrong word in marketing, but I'll say it like aggressively, you've got to say, be a part of this, be a part of, of this run that we're going to make. It's probably a relatively short one, a two or three year run. Aaron Rodgers is going to lead us to the promised land that we all missed 
um, be a part of that and show your Jets pride. And now you've got this guy out in the Bay Area who grew up in the heart of New Jersey, who loves the Jets, who has been somewhat involved because it's been a couple of down seasons, but you collected his information while he was loyal and while he was a fan. If you don't get that guy today, then, you know, Rogers retires, you got three years where you're rebuilding the org. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get somebody else, Daniel Jones makes his way over to the, the Jets and you got that, you've got that moment again. I want to circle back to NASCAR quickly. So they're, they're one of the most progressive forward thinking organization when it comes to data collection, understanding their fan. What is it that they've done that has allowed them to be the leader in this space? Um, well, it starts with their leadership. Um, they've got amazing leadership. They, uh, they fundamentally believe in the values of the organization, um, diversity and inclusivity. They believe in understanding their fans. They believe in providing a phenomenal experience. They do, uh, they do incredibly innovative work, which, you know, for, for a uh, person who didn't follow NASCAR too much growing up, now that I have started to work with them and even a little bit prior to that, I've started to watch. And I mean, <laughs> I've seen a race in the Coliseum. If you weren't watching July 4th weekend, they did a street race out in Chicago. Like they are adapting and adopting and they recognize that in order to maximize those efforts, because here's a perfect example of, of a wave, right? NASCAR doing their first street race in Chicago. Boom, traffic through the roof. What do they have? Four million some odd viewers. Um, tons of social interaction. They're gonna get a lot of traffic to the site, you're gonna get a lot of traffic to the app, new downloads. Capitalize on those new eyeballs, capitalize on the people, and then understand the people that, you know, are following that street race, and then maybe they go away if you're racing in a Richmond or you're racing in a Bristol or something like that. Um, but when you've got that driver uh who who won that race racing again, or you've got another street race, or you've got that race in the Coliseum. You bring them back and they understand that they think about that. I mean, they've invested heavily in gaming and, and that's both esports, uh, which makes a lot of sense for a brand like NASCAR. They did a phenomenal Roblox partnership last year. Um, they've also invested in uh, in the sports gaming side of the house. They see that as a way to grow the sport and to grow the viewership. Um, and they've got great leadership on that side of things. So they recognize uh, that with this this moment for motorsports, which, uh, you know, Drive to Survive at F1 is absolutely supported. Um, that NASCAR can can not only build a new and broader fan base, but more importantly than that, they can retain that fan base if they've got the fundamentals and the foundation. And leadership knows that. And it starts very much at the top. A new and broader and probably a bit of a younger fan base as well, right? Yeah, a, a younger fan base and fan bases that are in different geos that are that are up in New York, that are, you know, not not just in in the South and the Midwest. Have you noticed that the, the younger demos are more inclined to share first party data than older demos? Mm, very good question. Um, yes, through our mechanism. Uh, not, we get a lot more questions from the older ones. What are you doing with this? Uh, I think that there's a bit of a, an acceptance from the younger group um, that like data is how I'm going to get a better experience. And yeah, they didn't understand like that's kind of the nature of the world and how it works. You get a better experience that way as well. And it's not going to be used nefariously, right? It's going to be used to better your experience, like you said. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, I was at this, um, I was at this event last week, Hampton, Hampton's Tech Week uh, up here. And there was a, an awesome panel um, with two guys. One was a psychologist, one was a product manager, and the other one ran a digital shop. Um, he was moderating and they, they talked about the ethics of data collection and privacy and, uh, ethical data collection is going to be a differentiator. I know you guys believe that. Um, I fundamentally believe that I think transparency, um, 
which has to be a, it, which is actually a UX challenge, um, which is interesting, but uh, transparency is, is paramount. And um, the, the, the way in which you use someone's data probably at some point in the next three to five years due to regulation is going to need to be upfront and and told to them probably on a regular basis, right? And these guys addressed a lot of, of those challenges for companies today, um, specifically in like the mental health space and the coaching space areas that aren't terribly re regulated, but do um, do require a ton of data shared shared digitally. And um, and so any company that is collecting data today probably needs either a service more so more than just a Drata or somebody like that who's who's checking compliance uh, or or an individual who is focused on on what it means uh, to be ethical uh, around your data collection practices. No, I agree. It's only going to become even more regulated to your point. And one thing you said earlier too is like with the incentivizing people to provide that data. Like younger people might be more inclined to do so, but you still have to give them a reason to give it to you as well. And so for you, you said sometimes it's loyal to the team. Sometimes it's just curiosity, wanting to know how how else the poll was avoided. Is there anything else you're doing when it comes to rewarding users for providing data? Um, I mean, I would say that that those are those are two primary ones that work very, very well, or three, I guess, in 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 sport. Uh loyalty would be one, right? Receiving points in return for your opinion. That's pretty logical. Uh, number two would be sweepstakes, right? Running something where like, I'm actually interested in winning this. So I'll give you my email address. Um, the third would be sharing your opinion. And then there's, there's people that like, it is actually a really good email collection tool. Like, like those pop-ups that come up on sites where like, Hey, do you want to learn more? It's actually a fairly good email collection tool. If you're, um, just targeting folks with that. Uh, and, and those are the primary ways. I, I do believe that in a very, in a very, short period of time, let's just call it like six to nine months, the CTA is probably going to be the wall personalized content. Interesting. I haven't heard anybody say that before. That's gonna I it's gonna make me I'm gonna be thinking about that after this podcast for sure. Well think about it, right? Like they're telling you what they care about. Yeah. And you their contact info, like you should tell them, you should give them the information they want. Yeah. And then, and then making the CTA around a benefit. Right, not just like enter now or whatever it might be. It's just do all, like it makes it about the user more so about the company. Correct. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And do you think that that will increase rate of providing data? Like from where from where you guys are right now, do you think if that's something we see in the next six nine months that the percentage of people who provide data will go up? Uh, I bet retention will go up. Um, you know, it's hard to say if people understand what that means. Uh, it might take 18 to 36 months for people to really understand what a personalized experience is and how you access it. But I do be, I do believe that'll be the second nature. And I don't think that'll be just in sports, right? Like, you know, when I, when I, we used to build apps, right? So like Abercrombie or Gap or Sephora or whatever it might be. And so let me, the retail world is going to be facing this, this cookie-less challenge in a very different way, in a, in a way that's going to directly impact the top and bottom line if they don't address it. And um, my shopping experience on any of those apps, should I be a regular, um, is very, very, very personal. And if they are not basing that personal experience on transactions, as opposed to what I look at on the internet and tracking me across so that they can just show me a hyper-relevant jacket or shirt or whatever it might be, 
um, then they're gonna they're gonna lose my business, right? Like they're gonna they're gonna need to do that. Um, there's gonna be companies that provide that, right? That are but but it's that's go there. There is a major regulatory challenge there because you know if I shop on J Crew and then you're gonna target me with um, I don't know a, a relic a theory shirt or something like that. You're you're getting that you're getting that data just by by putting an ad out and creating a persona, right? Like it's not easy, and um, and so that's a, that's going to be a major challenge. And that's more on the the retail e-com side as opposed to the sports side. You think? I mean, the side back to sports is if you if you don't know what I care about and you're just pushing stuff at me, right? If you didn't know that I like rugby, if you didn't know that I that I follow golf because of you know, looking at TaylorMade or, or reading, uh, you know, Golf Week or whatever it might be, then um, you're going to have a lot of trouble, you know, getting the Callaway ad in, in front of me. And so you need to know that I like Callaway clubs and you're going to need to know um, that I'm a golfer and that I actually tune in on Sundays. And the opportunity then exists for the league. The PGA should know that, you know, the PGA should know that I carry a set of Callaway irons you know, that I've got a stealth driver and that I play 25 times a year or whatever it might be. Um, and if they know that and their database is not only going to be valuable to the content they put in front of me to the tickets they try and sell me when the tournament's in New York or New Jersey, but it's also going to be very, very relevant to their partners, more relevant to their partners um, than than it probably is today. That could probably, yeah, I was going to say, could probably also increase the value of a partnership as well, the sponsorship. It has to, you'll, because you're able to, to have a track of direct impact on conversions, right? Like if, if you can't target me with that ad, but I come to PGA and they sell you that, and then you get into my inbox via uh, a PGA, you know, Hey, this is what the guy carried in his bag this weekend, demo the new stealth driver here. And I click through to that. Like you can track that. Yeah. Damn. So you give me a lot to think about after this podcast. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate the insight. We're at the 20 minute mark already. This flew by. Um, but I want to give you the floor here. Where can the people find you? Where can they find fan power? Uh, plug anything and everything you got right now. Yeah. Honestly, the best place to find me is LinkedIn. Um, I've found that it's a, uh, I'm kind of a, a one, one, one track pouty there. Um, so look me up Dan Healy on LinkedIn. You can, um, email me at Dan at fanpower.io. Uh, you can find fanpower io and uh and check out what we do uh and i'm I'm happy to chat i mean i love this stuff there's a, a very 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 bright future in this industry call it data and the sub industries call it sports retail e-com whatever it might be awesome i'll make sure your linkedin and fan power is linked to the show notes down below um thank you again for the time thank you everybody for listening we'll talk soon